What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope it's a payday for you. How cool would that be? It's Friday, right? For you bi-weekly wage earners, you weekly wage earners, maybe today is the day. I hope it is. Hope you're able to get out and go do some cool stuff. Maybe you're waiting on that paycheck to get out and go buy yourself something. I think you, that's one of the reasons that I work as hard as I do, so I can go and uh, do cool things for the kids, man. Every so often, I'll spend a little money on myself. Matter of fact, uh, Monday is Tattoo Day. How about that? That's... I just finished up the book, and so I, I've been kind of putting that off and uh, looking forward to getting back in the chair. Maybe you disagree. And you know what? That's okay. You don't have to get tattoos and uh, grow your hair long. It's a perfect choice. So, uh, listen, it is, uh, It's let's see, I guess by the time this show airs, it'll be after midnight. It's actually still Thursday here. So I'm uh, actually getting a, an earlier start because i got to get packed and get in the bed. I'm leaving in the morning to, uh, to head out to Auburn to go watch Mississippi State play baseball. We're not going to preview Auburn. We did that on Wednesday's show. But how interesting was it that Georgia absolutely opened up a can on Vanderbilt on Thursday night and then poured every single drop on them, 14-2, strike up the SEC East Bulldogs, man. And it's, again, it's one of those things, too. Like, we get swept by Arkansas, and immediately everybody panics, and rightfully so, right? You know, we expect to be an elite team. Elite teams don't get swept. A lot of people say, well, there goes our chance to win the SEC. I said then, guys, it's a long season. Well, since that time, you know, Vanderbilt, uh, you know, dropped a game. Now they dropped a second game. And so now you look at it, we're only a couple of games out of first place. Now, granted, it's the fourth weekend of SEC play, so there's still a lot of baseball left to be played. Vanderbilt's not done losing games, folks. I'm just I'm telling you now. I know everybody says, oh, you know, they got those two great starters, and they do. But, you know, it takes a lot more than two pitchers to win the SEC. That Vanderbilt offense is a little bit shaky. They're kind of Jekyll and Hyde, too. And Georgia didn't necessarily throw some big arms tonight. Georgia's been uh, kind of bit with the injury bug, finally starting to get some guys back. But Georgia absolutely destroyed Vanderbilt. Seven home runs on the night, three of them against Kumar Rocker. I think he'd given up two home runs his entire career. He gets absolutely shelled tonight, gives up a three-run bomb in the first. Doesn't give up a hit uh, from the second inning. I guess he gave up a hit in the second, and then they finally get to him again in the sixth. He doesn't retire a hitter, gives up a leadoff bomb, 
and then an absolute smash of a single to left, and then an absolute Goliath shot. I think it left the stadium. It's ridiculous. And then he's done. And here's the thing, and, you know, Tim Corbin's been around a few 24 hours, so I'm not saying anything that Coach Corbin doesn't know. You keep extending those starters, you end up losing those starters. That's just how it is in the SEC. When you got to trot out there every Friday and Saturday night, it takes a very special individual. You know, listen, we've gone through it ourselves. I mean, you know, Dakota Hudson was a guy, if I'm not mistaken, had thrown 12 innings before he became our Friday night guy in 2016. You know, towards the end of the year, you know, he had a little trouble, you know, locating his fastball. And, you know, that's what happens, though, over the course of a season. Guys get a little bit arm-weary. And, you know, that's back, you know, when Butch Thompson was still here. I guess Butch may have been gone by then. But, uh, yeah, he was gone by then. But my point is that, you know, there are a lot of guys out there that make that jump and all of a sudden their workload increases. And then over the course of the season, they're just going to be up and down at times. There's nobody that comes out and dominates wire to wire. It just doesn't happen that way. Now, Leiter may come out tomorrow and pitch an absolute gem for Vandy. And I'm sure, I'm sure right now tonight he's probably said, you know what, I know what i got to do tomorrow. And that guy's is a son of a big leaguer. You know, I mean, that, that guy's been preparing for this moment his entire life. And, you know, he's so sound mechanically. You know, he just doesn't do a whole lot. It's going to hurt him. And so I'm just telling you, this whole thing isn't over. you got Arkansas and, and Ole Miss this weekend. And let's go ahead and do that before we get into the show uh, too deep in it. It's a big show today. We, we're going to cover a multitude of sports today. We're going to talk a little bit of baseball now. We're going to talk a little football. We're going to talk a little men's basketball. We're going to talk a little women's basketball. And then we're going to talk some recruiting. And in the middle of that, I've got a top 10 list that you probably never saw coming. And I can't remember who requested this list, and so I apologize. But I've got a special dedication for this top 10 list. There's a young man out there that you guys are somewhat familiar with. And I'll get into that a little bit later in the show. There's a bulldog out there that could use little thoughts and prayers. And uh, that family's been true maroon. And so our Bulldog baseball team has been very close with this individual. And so I'm going to dedicate today's top 10 list to him when we get to that. So let's take a look around the kind of the league here. You know, we mentioned, you know, Vanderbilt getting embarrassed. And listen, Vanderbilt's a proud program. They may come out tomorrow and win 20 to 5. Who knows? But, all, you know, we just need somebody to pick off a game every now and again to kind of give us, you know, some room to operate. You know, it's like if, if, if they lose a series and we go take this series here – you know, we, we pick up a game. We happen to sweep a series, and we pick up two games. You know, it's like it's one of those things you begin to look at. you got to manage the whole season. It's not just one weekend. I thought Tanner Allen said it best after we got swept by Arkansas. He goes, you remember back in uh, 2018, we sweeped those guys, and then a couple months later you look up, and they're playing for a national championship, and then poor Carson Shaddy overruns the pop-up that would have won a national championship for Arkansas. And so, again, it is a long season. There's nobody ready to throw in the towel just yet. So, Georgia Vanderbilt, the only game in the league on Thursday. You know, last weekend it was different. You had all but two series went Thursday, Friday, Saturday because of Easter. But this weekend, everybody else is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, Florida will be at Tennessee. Tennessee currently ranks sixth in the country. And, uh, listen, I'm a Tennessee fan, to be honest with you. I don't think Tony is long for Knoxville. I think they're going to have a really difficult time keeping him because they're not committed to college baseball up there. And, and the volunteers have gotten better every single year. 
under Tony Vitello. And I, and I think that uh, he's done a great job. I don't – they may be a little bit overvalued at this point you know, because of who they play. This is kind of a really a, a, a judgment-type weekend for them. We're going to find out if they're for real this weekend with Florida coming in. Florida, of course, uh, took two out of three from Ole Miss last weekend. So, I don't think either team sweeps. I think it'll be a split. I do like Tennessee to kind of hang on in a series. But uh, – you know, because I think Florida is very overvalued, and I think they're also playing beneath their potential. But, uh, you know, we'll see how things go. LSU at Kentucky, man, what a huge opportunity for the Wildcats here. Huge. Now, I don't know that they've got great front-line pitching at Kentucky, but they're competitive. They're going to give you a quality start. They're going to keep you in ball games, And uh, you get out there and you have to hit that sinker over and over and over again. You start beating ball on the ground. It's going to be a long weekend. We saw that last weekend, even though we swept them. And, of course, Kentucky takes uh, takes a game from Louisville in the midweek. I mean, so Nick's got those guys playing well. I just don't know offensively if they can win a shootout. That's why it's so important for their pitching to kind of hold up this weekend. Uh, LSU in a bit of a free fall right now without Jaden Hill now for the remainder of the season. So they went from having two front-line starters to having one front-line starter. And Marceau got absolutely rocked like last weekend against Vanderbilt. You knew at some point – it was going to happen. I mean, he doesn't have overpowering or dominating stuff, and eventually people kind of catch up to him, and they did uh, last weekend. So I, I like Kentucky here. I mean, because they're at home, and I think Kentucky's playing with some confidence. And, and I, listen, here's the thing. Nick Mingione's teams are going to be well coached. They made a few mistakes last weekend. Uh, didn't hit the ball as well they'd hoped, I'm sure. But uh, I think Collette's going to have a big weekend against LSU. I just I just feel like that he is uh, one of those guys that is kind of an unheralded star in this league because he plays at Kentucky. And that's not a shot at Nick or Kentucky. But I think if he was at a, you know, a higher-value team, if, he, if he's at Arkansas, Mississippi State, or even LSU, Ole Miss, the guy's probably a household name around this league. So – I think he's going to have a big weekend. Uh, them having to throw those right-handers at him all weekend, I think is going to be difficult. Arkansas at Ole Miss, that is absolutely the series of the weekend. We need it to be a split. You know, it's like I can look at this thing and I say, well, I can talk myself into thinking, okay, well, listen, if Ole Miss takes two of three, well, that kind of gives us a chance to control our own destiny in the West because all of a sudden we pick up a game on everybody assuming we take care of business at Auburn. And then they come in here and then we beat them. And then the flip side of it is, is like, I, I can't pull for Ole Miss to win a series. If we need them to win a series, then we probably don't deserve it, right? And so, also, the flip side of that, too, is I don't know if I want Ole Miss coming in here with any confidence. You know, if they go out there and get embarrassed this weekend, and I'm expecting capacity crowds at, uh, at University Stadium there in Oxford. I'm sure they're going to open it up. And so, it'll be a rocking environment, and it'll be a lot of fun to watch those games. And it'll be interesting to see how Ole Miss kind of handles things with uh, Tim Elko being banged up. And listen, I know they said they're going to try to put a brace on him and and let him play. And to be honest with you, I think that's almost irresponsible. But, uh, you know, Elko's got his own decisions to make, and uh, so does Mike Bianco. And so I understand you want your leader out there, even if he's a DH or whatever. But, uh, man, a big series. It'll be a big-time environment. And it's great for college baseball. It really is. You know, Mississippi State's on the road at Auburn. And it looks like we're going to get a little bit of a break in the weather on Sunday. You know, I was on the Zoom call with Butch today, and Butch says that they're not even going to make any decisions about the weather until Friday afternoon. And so we may end up getting banged on Friday. We may play one on Saturday, two on Sunday. And if you know we have to play two on Sunday, it becomes sevens. 
and maybe that helps us because we've got all the pitching. So we'll see how things go. But, you know, Auburn's going to pitch it pretty well, too. I'm expecting some very close, low-scoring, competitive ball games. Missouri's at South Carolina. you got to like the Gamecocks here at home. And also, too, you know, Missouri hadn't been very good, even though they took a series from A&M last weekend. Alabama's at A&M. This is going to be an interesting series here. And to be honest with you, I, I think I kind of like Alabama. You know, it's like everybody says, well, you know, Steve, the record's not very good. If you look at how they've competed, especially on Friday nights, you know, they have been very competitive. And it's, sometimes they hadn't been able to slam the door shut. But this is an improving Alabama team. And no, they're not going to challenge for anything this year. But A&M is a team that's really, really having some trouble. And I think if Alabama can go over there and take that Friday game, then all the pressure shifts to A&M. And they're just, they don't seem to be equipped to handle adversity at A&M this year. I expect the coaching change there. And, of course, Georgia at Vanderbilt. Uh, so that's the league. And, uh, again, I, I live for this this time of year. I absolutely love college baseball. Uh, I can watch SEC baseball all weekend long no matter who's playing. And so when we're not covering a game, I'm watching them because I love it. And uh, I keep up with all these teams, and uh, I hope you guys kind of benefit from that. But uh, looking forward to a big weekend at Auburn, and I can't wait to get back. This is my first time at Plains and Park since 16. And last time I was down there, we swept them. Yeah, and that was back when we had Dakota on Friday and Austin Sexton on Saturday, and we're still kind of figuring it out on, on Sunday. And the kid named uh, Connor Pilkington kind of became our Sunday guy. So we kind of figured some things out, and we did get a sweep down there. And, you know, Nate Lowe had a really big weekend, if I remember correctly. And uh, was, I, I enjoy going down there. It's a great park. It's just, you know, attendance-wise, it's not what it, it, it could be. Uh, also, too, there is the uh, there's talk about the uh, governor, Governor Ivy of Alabama, supposed to open up some things on Friday if she hadn't already. I hadn't kept up with it today. It's been a busy day here at the uh, Rose Bowl home office. But the current guidelines for COVID expire at 5 p.m. on Friday, and she has already kind of hinted that she's going to open some things up and going to uh, remove the state mask mandate. Now, the cities of, I think, Birmingham and Montgomery have all said that they're going to continue to have a, a citywide mask mandate, kind of like we have here in Starkville. But they have been operating at 20% capacity, their planes and park. So it'll be interesting to see what she does as far as attendance goes. So if you were one of those that was looking to get tickets to Auburn and have not been able to get them, keep your fingers crossed because you may get some good news on Friday and maybe you can sneak on over there for Saturday, Sunday. So we'll see how that progresses. But uh, – you know, again, enjoyed the Zoom call today with Butch. Always good to see Butch. Butch is a great guy. He's a Mississippi boy. He's one of us. We had some great years here with uh, with Butch. And here's the thing, too, and I've shared this with people around the league when we have a chance to talk about Auburn, is Butch Thompson is so well thought of at Mississippi State that we had him shoot a video for the opening of the new Dirty Noble Field. I mean, another coach within the SEC West – shoots a video talking about how much he loves Mississippi State and what a special place Duty Noble Field is. Now, if you know Butch at all, that it's not, not surprising. But it is kind of surprising that Mississippi State would allow a, you know, a coach from a rival school to have a presentation at one of the biggest moments in our program's history. And I think that really speaks well about Butch Thompson and, and our relationship with Butch. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, that's the that's your baseball segment for today. I, I look forward to talking more about college baseball on Monday. This segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Bulldog Burger Company. I love going in there. And, guys, I think I'm hooked on this uh, grilled chicken club. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's like some people kind of mess up that Texas toasting. They don't. They absolutely nailed it with this 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 grilled chicken club. 
Some days I get it with the fried green tomato. Some days I don't. You know, it's just some days I'm in the mood for it. Some days I'm, I'm not. But it's, uh, it's fabulous. The chicken is so well cut, and it's always so juicy. Go check it out today. Try it. Tell them that Steve sent you. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. And if you're looking for something different, say, you know what, Steve, I'm not in the mood for chicken. Have the full of bologna. Go ahead and knock it out. Tons of protein in that one, man. You get the bologna. You get the six-ounce patty. You, you, you get the fried egg. You're going to be happy with whatever you choose there. So many great things to choose from. Bulldog Burger Company, two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And now coming soon to Ridgeland, Mississippi. The news is out. You guys know. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's talk a little football. We had the opportunity to visit with Mississippi State offensive line coach Mason Miller this evening. Coach Miller doesn't do a lot of media. You know, he'll do it probably once in the spring and once in the fall. He shares with us that he believes he has six offensive linemen ready to go. There's another guy kind of teetering right there, you know, and I'm not going to get into names. But there's another guy. That's, it's, so it's like six and a half, I guess. You know, you'd like to have ten, but it's pretty rare to have ten uh, in the SEC. I mean, because, listen, we're going we're gonna to rotate some. But you're not going to rotate a full unit. But you want to get, you know, you want to have a solid two deep. But you're not going to play ten guys every ball game, unless you're just, you know, you're up big. He spoke at length about Charles Cross. How Charles Cross is kind of a quiet leader among the group, and he's over 300 pounds. I think he said we had two guys last year that were over 300, and then we've got a few this year. You know, Darian Parker being one of them. I think Greg Allen was the other. LeQuinston Sharp. Currently your starter at left guard. Had a chance to visit with him tonight, too. He's excited. He, he's a guy, too, that, you know, he, he had a decision to make. It was probably a pretty easy decision because, you know, you know LaQuinson Sharp was an All-American at East Mississippi Community College. He comes in, and I'm sure ideally they wanted to redshirt him, but if you remember in the, in the UL Lafayette game a couple years ago, you know, we had Darrell Williams go down. We had a couple other interior linemen go down, so we had to kind of push LaQuinson Sharp out there, and then there was like some lingering injuries. It kind of took took a while to get some of those guys back, and so we ended up having to burn his redshirt year. And so then he plays kind of sparingly last year because we were pretty much set at guard. Even though we had all those issues, Sharp played a little bit. Mason Miller said the night he should have played him more. Now they tell me that Q, LaQuinson Sharp, it's like a different person. And I think a part of that, too, is because he feels like he has a role. He doesn't feel like he's chasing anybody anymore. That's not to say that he's scared of competition. But you remember he tore his ACL during his uh, sophomore year there at Scuba. And so it took some time to kind of get him back. And that's one of those things, too, about injuries to big guys. When they have injuries to lower extremities, it takes a long time to heal. And it takes a long time to rehabilitate. And it takes a long time to regain strength. And you, there are a lot of guys out there that, you know, these skill guys, they'll have, uh, they'll have a, you know, an ACL or an ankle injury or something, and they bounce back a little bit quicker. But they're not carrying quite as much weight. And so their rehabilitation time sometimes is a little bit quicker. It's kind of dependent on the severity of the injury. And so I think Q, you know, had that one year, we, we kind of threw him out there before he was even probably ready to play. And then last year he kind of gets lost in the mix a little bit because, you know, he is a shorter lineman, but he does have long arms. But he's one of those guys, too, that uh, probably not your prototypical 
Mike Leach offensive lineman. But he's running left guard today. Probably going to be your opening day starter. A little interesting tidbit, too, I picked up, too, by Cole Smith. You know, some of you guys were very much aware last year we had trouble at times kind of snapping the ball back. And I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Cole is left-handed and uh, was trying to snap right-handed. You know, it was one of the things that uh, I understand that, that when he got to LSU, they were just kind of teaching teach to be a center. You know, he'd been a tackle and that sort of stuff. And, and so he's snapping left-handed now. So, and we don't want to jinx it, but it appears that he's doing much better. I think any of us would be that way, right? I mean, if all of a sudden you could do it with your dominant hand, it makes perfect sense. So, Cole Smith, a guy that wants it really, really bad. That's one of the things, too. You know, like I always say, like Mike Leach talks about, he, we want people that, that need football. You know, Cole Smith's a guy that needs football, but Cole Smith's always wanted to play at Mississippi State. You can say, well, Steve, then why did he go to LSU? Well, you know, we didn't always handle things the best you know, with his recruitment. And he went down there, but he's here now. And he's starting. This is a guy that grew up coming to games in Mississippi State. He's true maroon. I mean, he is. You know, sometimes guys make decisions for reasons that you're not aware of. But it may not have been the right decision then, but he eventually made the decision right. So now he's here with us. And he's improving. He's getting stronger. And that was always kind of the knock, you know, coming out of LSU. You say, well, you know, he's, he's kind of limited position-wise and uh, needs to get a little bit stronger. And he did. And he probably still does. But one of the things that I know for sure about Cole Smith is he can go out there and fight. He'll get out there and fight you. I remember that Texas A&M game. We were getting absolutely destroyed. We put him in at left guard, and all of a sudden things got better because he was the one calling the protections. James Jackson was making the snaps. Cole Smith's calling the protections. And all of a sudden it wasn't just a jailbreak every single play. It's like it was in the first half. And people forget how good A&M was, and I was still that we were within a touchdown late in the ballgame. Special teams miscue cost us big time. A block punt in that ball game made all the difference. Your right guard situation seems to be pretty settled with Dollar Bill Johnson there. Yeah, he's a guy, too, that we had recruited and thought eventually he would be a, uh, be a tackle. But in this scheme, he probably fits better at guard. We, we tried him some at right tackle last year, and it just, you know, didn't work. Doesn't mean you give up on the kid. you got to find a way he can contribute. It looks like we have it right guard. And he's a guy, too, listen, he had to grow up a little bit when he got here. Also, Dollar Bill, you guys may remember this, too, is, you know, during the, uh, his senior year, his mom died unexpectedly. And so now all of a sudden, you know, he's got to deal with all that stuff, and he comes here, and you know, then all of a sudden he has to redshirt, and there's just a lot going on in his life. And so he's had to grow up pretty fast. And so this is a guy, too, that uh, is kind of figuring it out on his own. The guy's got a bright future ahead of him. I like him at right guard. He's one of those guys, too, also that's a competitor. You know, in this league, too, it's one of those things, if, especially on the offensive line, you got to be an absolute killer to play offensive line in the SEC. When you think about the competition these guys see on a week, weekly basis, I mean, you're, you're facing NFL prospects every time out against every single team, every single year. There's never a week off in this league in the trenches. There's just not. You can have big physical guys that can move and just as skilled as you are. That's one of the things that happens a lot of times, especially in small-town Mississippi, is you get guys that get by on athleticism and size, and they don't learn a lot of technique. Now, all of a sudden they get here, 
and they're facing guys that are as skilled as they are and as big and strong as they are and as athletic as they are. And so in order to win, you got to sharpen and the saw a little bit and refine your technique. And so there is a learning curve, and that's kind of how it was for Dollar Bill. You know, he was the guy in high school that just line up out there and just blow people off the ball because there wasn't anybody out there size-wise that was comparable to him in that classification. Just wasn't. And so they're kind of learning to play football when they get here. You, know, you recruit, especially offensive linemen, you recruit on potential. You go out and you get the measurables and you teach them the rest. And that's kind of the story with Dollar Bill. But he's getting there. Right tackle, Cam Jones. I told you guys how Cam kind of took the position when Greg Allen had had a tough practice. Greg was kind of beat up with a uh, groin injury. You know, Cam right now is your starting right tackle. But Scott Lashley getting some snaps there too. You know, Scott Lashley was lost last year because he got injured. And listen, I'm not ready to give up on Scott Lashley. You know, Scott Lashley, if, if he had come to Mississippi State rather than going to Alabama, he probably would have played a lot more football. Probably be a lot farther along in his development. But, again, it's kind of like the Cole Smith thing. He probably didn't make the right decision at the time, but he's made the decision right now. Got him a national championship ring over there as a backup, though, right? Those are hard to come by. But you look at the rest of that story, too. It's like, you know, here he is. The guy wants to play, and he finally gets here. He's in the mix for a starting position, has the injury, has to have season-ending surgery. Worked his way back. And listen, they've been careful with him, but he's full go now. He's full go now. You know, but Scott's one of those guys, too, that uh, he has the potential. And I think Mason Miller's one of those guys, too. That's, I mean, and maybe he has to get it out of him kicking and screaming, but they're, they're going to push him. They're going to push him to reach his full potential. And he's a guy, too, that I think is among those six that's ready to go. I think that's apparent. I think he went in with the ones on the third drive on this past Saturday. So we feel good about where things stand with him right now. Reed Byes is a guy that's worked some at backup center. You know, he's a guy, listen, this is a guy, too, that's still kind of learning on the fly. He's still a relatively a newcomer. You know, got here, what, last summer, I guess? You know, he's still figuring it out. But if you look at Reed, you can tell he's a different person. I mean, this is a guy that's really embraced the weight room. He just needs some reps. So a guy that needs some practice. And, you know, maybe second team center is where he settles right now. But that's a guy, too, that, you know, the guy's got three years to play. You bring in Nick Jones. Nick was back up left tackle last Saturday. Had his moments. Also had some times, some teachable moments as well. Big, long, athletic guy. Never really been pushed like he's been pushed now. Never had to face the competition off that edge. Yeah, listen, you're playing left tackle at Mississippi State right now. You're facing Jordan Davis every day in practice. That's a different deal right there, man. That guy's a freak. Just wait. Just wait. Carson Williams, a guy that's a newcomer, still kind of figuring it out a little bit. Going to probably run second team at a guard, but, you know, not there yet. And you, and you don't expect them to be. I mean, it's like, you know, guys, we got, you know, what, 10 practices under our belt now. We have five left. I think it's right. 10 or 11. And so we'll practice again. We'll have another scrimmage on Saturday, and then we'll, uh, we'll go through things next week. And I think there's a cleanup practice after that. I don't remember the schedule. But these guys that are, you know, first-year first enrollees, guys like Albert Reese, that uh, it's so interesting. He uh, was with the threes last weekend, and uh, I, I've heard that he's probably going to get some second-team looks this week. Mason Miller calling him King Albert. 
King Albert of the, North, of the Great North, originally from Canada. That guy's a massive human being, but he's not slow-footed like you'd expect a guy his size to be, and he's actually really, really strong. If I remember correctly, he was tied with Charles Cross for the, uh, the team lead in bench press for offensive linemen when they did their off-season conditioning drills. And again, this is a true freshman showing up. I expect him to play a lot this year as a two-deeper, probably more in a non-conference. But, uh, you know, long-term, that kid looks pretty good. So offensive line play looks great. And I think that, uh, you know, even Mike Leach said a couple days ago that uh, he thought they were the most improved group. And that's music to the Bulldog ears, isn't it? Because we had some real struggles last year. Some of them were COVID-related. Some of them were schematic. But the bottom line is, regardless of what the reasons were, we had trouble on the offensive line. As the year went on, we got better. You start getting some guys healthy. It's amazing how much better you get. You also had some addition by subtraction. You got a couple guys that, uh, you know, just weren't bought in. And now they're somewhere else. And, uh, you know, listen, I'm a big fan of everybody that's here while they're here. I don't harbor any ill will against anybody after they leave. I really don't, as long as they leave the right way. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I don't keep up with that stuff. I don't care what happens when they leave. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want them to be injured. I don't, I don't want them to not play. I mean, Keaton Thompson's there at Virginia, and I've watched, somebody sent me a video the other day at, you know, about how he's kind of like Slash over there. You never know where he's going to line up. And listen, I'm happy for Keaton. I'm happy he's able to get on the field. He wouldn't have been able to play in this game either. But I'm happy he's found a place where they, they can utilize his talent. But I'm not going to be out there retweeting any videos. I don't even follow Keaton on Twitter anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that I don't like him. But my loyalty is to Mississippi State. Once they leave, hey, best of luck to you. That's the end of our interaction. That's just kind of how I feel about it. it and I'll be honest with you, it's like I, some of this other stuff that happens with transfers and other sports. I mean, it, it is amazing to me. I mean, my goodness. I mean, it's like we've got some stage five clingers in the fan base. It's just like we just simply can't move on. I'm glad I didn't date some of you. My goodness. It drives me crazy. It really does. It shouldn't bother me as much as it does. But it's like, man, when they're gone, they're gone. You know, as, as I shared with you guys about Vic Schaefer the other day, he's not laying awake at night wondering if you're still thinking about him. The guy's moved on. He's got other things to deal with. And so do you. So let's move on. And so when these guys leave, I quit thinking about them. And I think about the guys that are replacing them. Because I want Mississippi State to win. This is not the Boy Scouts. This is the Southeastern Conference. And there are some people that are not good enough to play here. And you say, well, Steve, that's not fair. It's the reality. Sometimes we go out and we recruit a kid thinking maybe he'll develop, and then he doesn't. And you know what? It's best for all involved if he leaves. Because all he's going to do is ride the pine and eat up a scholarship that would prevent us from signing another player that can contribute. He's better off going somewhere else where he can play. And if that means playing FCS football or playing G5 football, then so be it. That's the thing. You look at a lot of these transfers that have left. I mean, how many of them have ended up on a Power 5 roster? I mean, you guys keep up with all that. Outside of Keaton, how many of them have? You can do the math yourself. And you say, well, Steve, you know, I don't know if I understand. Well, you know, listen, if these guys leave and they were so valuable to us, how come nobody else was beating their door down to go sign them? They went in the portal. Many of them did it early on. 
And those are the things, yeah, I think when you look in hindsight and say, you know what, it's probably best if he moved on. Oh, he ended up going to an FCS school. What's well, probably where he can go compete and play. And I hope he goes and has a great career and gets his college degree and meets his wife and has a wonderful life. Really do. But I'm not a fan of his anymore. I'm not going to keep up with that. You do you. But I'm not, I'm, again, my focus is on Mississippi State. And just part of the deal for me. All right, we also talked to uh, Tony Hughes. I always love talking to Tony. I mean, and anytime that I'm around Tony, and I haven't been able to been around him much here the last year, but, you know, he talked to him on the phone. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice, or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You don't Zoom call. He always has these little pearls of wisdom. You know, Tony's just one of those guys that you're so glad is associated with your program. You know, just a solid guy, man of faith, man of values, a great mentor for young men, 
a great coach, great recruiter. It's, it's I just I can't say enough great things about Tony Hughes. And so when he talks, I listen. And so does your team. And so should you. you know, Tony is a guy that fits Mississippi State. You know, Jay came here and had a great career. Jay was part of one of our best teams of all time. One of my favorite plays that year is when Jay made that big dive and interception in the first quarter against Auburn. Really kind of got the ball rolling. You know, Bear goes down and scores. Next thing you know, we got the ball again. Those kinds of things are exciting to me. You know, but Tony is just one of those kind of people that, you know, if he tells you something, you can go borrow money against it. And so Tony talks a lot about, you know, getting these guys back and getting them healthy. There was a time last year we were down six safeties. Six. People say, you know, Steve, the safeties are so bad. I mean, instead of asking me why the secondary had so many problems defending the deep end, I I would say, why not? why, why, Why are they not having them? Because they had a ton of them, and it stands to reason. When you have guys that are basically special teams guys and third team safeties out there having to play against guys from Georgia and Alabama, you're going to struggle. That's the reality of life. And I go back and think about the job those guys did. You know, we we probably should pin a medal on Jason Washington and Tony Hughes' chest. And some of that scheme, you know, Zach Arnett does such a good job bringing pressure. You don't expose your safeties very often. It burned us against Georgia. But again, you got a guy out there, Sean Preston, that's really a guy that's more of a box safety, a guy that you know plays better as a run stopper, and a guy that can squat on routes. But you know, as far as him turning and running and being able to beat a guy in man-to-man coverage, not going to happen very often. That's not to speak poorly of Sean. But he probably shouldn't have been in that situation. You know, we go zero coverage there and we get beat. Ended up being a game-winning touchdown. Yeah, but let's be honest. You know, you got some guys out there that hadn't played a lot of SEC football, having to play a lot of snaps because Fred Peters lost for the year to injury. C.J. Morgan rehabbing a season in an injury from the year before. Dewan Lawrence lost for the season to injury. Janari Dean lost for the year to injury. Marcus Murphy opts out. Then you had some, you know, some COVID contact tracing stuff to deal with. I mean, listen, there was a bunch of issues, and it really affected the safety spots. Well, now all of a sudden you got Fred back. He's back in a starting lineup. Now all of a sudden you got Dylan Lawrence back. He's back on a two deep. And people forget how well he played in the LSU, LSU ball game. Now all of a sudden you add Jalen Green. And so all of a sudden, you know, what was considered a position of weakness last year, you could look at it and say, hey, you know what, these guys are going to be all right. I've talked to a couple longtime staffers that have said, hey, listen, this defense is even better with these safeties. Now, if you've seen Zach Arnett's comments, he may disagree. And that's one of the things that I love about Zach Arnett. Listen, Zach Arnett is not going to get out there and sugarcoat anything. Now, he might poor mouth us a little bit, but I believe more times than not, Zach Arnett's just going to be honest with you. But see, Zach's the kind of guy that, like, if you don't shut him out, you could have been better. And that's exactly the attitude you should have as a D.C. You should never accept or admit failure. You got to say, listen, here's the deal. we got to do better than this. It's just like we beat Vanderbilt. And there was a discussion that Zach had with the team during film review that hurt some people's feelings. 
And you say, well, Steve, I don't know what you're talking about. What's like everybody's feeling so great about us beating Vanderbilt. I didn't, I don't know when beating Vanderbilt's been a big deal. And then they go out there and put up 450 yards on us. So it's like, yeah, we won, but we didn't play well defensively. There were times we didn't think we could stop them. If Marquis Spencer doesn't make that uh, interception there on his own blitz, I don't know what happens in that ball game. It boiled down to one play. And let's be honest, it should never boil down to one play between us and Vanderbilt. And so I think that's the point that Zach Arnett was trying to make. And that point struck a nerve with some guys. And they got their feelings hurt. And my attitude about that is this. It's, uh, if you're celebrating a one-possession win over Vanderbilt, you probably need to get your feelings hurt. All due respect to Vanderbilt. That shouldn't be one. No, we were just so happy to win a game again. But you, you may recall, we went down there and scored the first two possessions, if I'm not mistaken. We were up 14 nothing, and then we had to hang on. Will Rogers made some plays down the stretch for us to win the game. Defensively, we didn't close it out. We should have. We didn't. And it wasn't like Vanderbilt was some great offensive team last year. And so I like a salty Zach Arnett. I do. I think that his demeanor in delivery is perfect for defensive football, especially at a program like ours where we kind of pride ourselves on defense. And we talk a lot about standards. And it's one of the things, too, a lot of people, you know, put that stuff on a T-shirt. And then the, the, they declare themselves this. And, yeah, I've seen them all. We all, we all have. Everybody, you know, there's, the, there's the hashtags and there's the shirts. And, you know, we'll get Adidas to run out a new logo for us and a new slogan and that sort of stuff. But, you know, Zach talks about the standard. I mean, the standard is the standard. There are some foundational standards when it comes to Mississippi State defense. And playing aggressive defense is a big part of it. It's about effort. And one of the things that I loved is that every player that has come out since Zach's comments, if you ask them about it, they say, yeah, he was right. He's right. we got to do better. And it's not one of those things where you can tell they're searching to say the right thing to kind of validate it because they're worried about going in a room and have somebody call them out and say, hey, you went in there and said this. Like Colin Duncan, you could, he didn't even bat an eye. He's like, yeah, I mean, listen, there are a lot of people that have been very talented have come before us that have set the standard, and we have to live up to that. Guys like Fletcher Cox and Jonathan Banks and Darius Slay. You know, it's not as simple as, okay, well, we're just here doing our best. You know, sometimes your best isn't good enough, and that's how you end up going in the transfer portal and then finding out that you don't get another Power 5 offer because your best isn't good enough to play here. That's a harsh reality of life. That's why I think Colin Duncan's going to be a player for us. And he got a lot better last year, too. But I like guys that, that, that are willing to acknowledge the situation. I bet you if Colin Duncan got his feelings hurt against Vanderbilt, he didn't get his feelings hurt this week when Zach Arnett made those comments because he learned from it and got better. It's like, you know what, I understand now. I understand that i got to bring a better effort. If all of a sudden if we get complacent and say, well, you know, we went out here and made a few plays. You know, Zach Arnett is a lot like Mike Leach, that he wants to dominate. And so you've got an offensive-minded coach that wants to embarrass the defense. Then you've got a defensive-minded coach that wants to absolutely destroy the offense. You don't think that's going to make us better? Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, 
know, that I love when we talk to offensive coaches. They say, well, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Zach storming the castle every other play. You don't think it's going to get us better? Zach gets out there. We, we uh, Defense gives up a big play to the offense, and he's like, you know what, enough of that. We're stopping this. Then all of a sudden that chess match begins, and all of a sudden Leach says, okay, well, Zach, let's see what you do with this. You don't think that's going to make us better? It absolutely is. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and call for Rose Bowl season, right? We're going to be a better football team this year. Seven, eight wins probably. But you know what? Got the potential to be a little bit better. You know, we'll see. I think the schedule's favorable. But I also think that this is a team, too, that uh, is real, is, has just finally found a sense of their identity late in the year last year. When everybody was ready to give up on them, to go on the road to Georgia and should have won the ballgame. And that was one of the first things that Mike Leach said that I really respected. Is he said, you know what? I'm really proud of our kids. I'm really proud of how hard we played. I'm proud of the effort we played with. But, you know, we, we should have won the ballgame. And, you know, every, I think a lot of people were thinking, you know what, nobody gave us a chance. You know, but here we are winning the ball game, and, you know, we're just happy to keep it close because we're expecting to get blown out. But Mike Leach is like, you know what, guys, I guess that's true, but we came down here to win the game. We didn't come down here just to play the game and keep it close. We came to win the game. Zach Arnett is a guy that wants to win the game. And he kept us in a lot of games last year, and we were still trying to figure things out on offense. And so when I hear that Zach – is upset because the defense is having a tough time stopping the offense. That gets me fired up because it means the offense is making some improvements and Zach is holding his guys accountable. All right, let's get to today's top ten list brought to you by the fine folks at johnnypacker.com. You guys, listen, I'm wearing my sunglasses all the time anyway, but these days, nowadays, you can't even walk out in the yard or go out of the mailbox without having some sunglasses on because it's getting brighter. And it's only going to get worse. You need to protect your eyes. It's not just about looking cool, which for some of us, it's easier. But you need to protect yourself. Wear sunglasses. I'm encouraged you wear sunglasses all the time. Maybe even indoors. You can find some great fashionable frames there at johnnypacker.com. It is the what Hollywood, Hollywood style with the golden triangle flare, I believe is their logo, or their slogan, pardon me. A couple of Bulldogs run that company. And all of the sunglasses, all the frames are named after cities in your town. Some men's and women's frames. And here's the cool thing, too, is every single purchase, a portion of every purchase, will go directly to the Cystic Vibrosis Foundation. So if you got to buy sunglasses anyway, then let's buy them from Bulldogs. I'm a firm believer in let's do business with each other, Right. But also, too, you're doing business with Bulldogs that are going to send a portion of your money to people who are really suffering. There is no cure for cystic fibrosis. A lot of treatments out there, but no cure. And so anything that you can do helps. So go to johnnypacker.com today. You're going to be glad you did. johnnypacker.com. All right, let's talk top 10 lists. I told you guys, dedicating today's top 10 list to a special young man. You know him, Andrew McCall. Andrew McCall is a young man that's had to fight leukemia. And, uh, you know, it's been up and down. You know, but you may recall that he's the guy that Jake Mangum and those guys and Dustin Skelton and those guys had kind of embraced. And uh, still very much in contact with the team. And I understand that he sends a prayer video to your team every week. How cool is that, man? How cool is that? 
But Andrew McCall, a kid with all that he's facing, is trying to spread joy and love in the world and letting that baseball team know that he's praying for those guys and does it every week. So, Andrew, this list is for you and for your faith. We're all praying for you. And uh, we're going to go ahead and claim full recovery now. That's what, that's what we're going to We're going to go ahead and claim that today. So today's top ten list, and again, I can't remember who sent me the suggestion, but I thank you for it. And I know that they would want, they would, they would want uh, Andrew to get the dedication today. But we're going to do top ten Christian rock bands. And some of you right now are thinking, I'm going to turn this off. No, don't do it because I'm fixing to surprise you. There's some bands out there that absolutely rock that you know that are Christian bands. And maybe you didn't know that. Or maybe you suspected, but you didn't know. And most of these are modern rock bands. And one of the things that I'll say about Christian rock, especially Christian rock in the 80s, is like most of it was just not marketable. And listen, there were some great bands out there like Blood Good and, and bands like that. But, you know, a lot of that, the production value wasn't very good. A lot of those albums were made very cheaply. And so it just didn't hold up. It's a different deal today. It's come a long way. And so there are a lot of bands out there. That, there's no praise bands on this list, okay? I know a lot of you guys out there, Mercy Me fans, or uh, there's a few other bands out there I, I can't recall right now, but Third Day, I guess, um, Delirious, I think it's another one. But those bands are not on my list. And maybe we do a list like that some other day. This is going to be Christian rock bands, and a lot of these things, here's a cool thing, too, that I'll say about that. There are a lot of people that think they know me, but they don't. You know, they only, they only know what I'll let you know. Some let you know something else. So, you know, when I was much younger, I used to win the Bible drill every year at camp. Like, we'd had the little uh, youth rallies and stuff. I'd always win. We'd have scripture. Uh, you know, you had to recite scripture. I'd always win that stuff. My grandfather, my great-grandfather was a minister. My grandfather's a minister. My brother married a missionary's daughter. I got an uncle that's a minister. I got cousins on both sides of my family that are. And so so I'm very familiar with all this, you know, and uh, share those same beliefs. And I think it's important um, you know, that Christian rock took a big jump because it's one of those things that there are a lot of people out there that say, yeah, I don't want to listen to that stuff, you know, because maybe I'm just not ready to deal with it, you know. And that's cool too. So I'm not going to sit here and preach to you, but you're going to be surprised at some of these bands that you be listening to that many of these songs have a Christian message. And so want to share them with you. Here are a couple bands that didn't make the list, and some of you guys are going to be disappointed, and that's okay. You can make your own list, you get your own show, and, and uh, you can share it with your friends. Switchfoot did not make the list. I do like them. I think Dare You to Move is really cool. I know a lot of you guys really like them. Uh, they didn't make the list. Reliant K also didn't make the list. DC Talk did not make the list. I have every DC Talk album. I have, uh, I have two of the Tate albums. I've got four Toby Mac albums, I guess, and I've got uh, Kevin's first album. I think he's had a second one since then. So I'm a big DC Talk guy. And uh, I think that the uh, Jesus Freak album is one of the best Christian albums of all time. But I don't think they're Christian rock. I know they do some things with some guitars, like uh, So Long, My Friend, and that stuff, but uh, I don't think they're Christian rock. But... I love Michael Tate, love everything that he's done, so check them out, but they didn't make my list. So here's the top 10 list, and some of these bands that you, you're going to be familiar with, some you're not. The ones, this is one of those lists too, 
I'm going to give you the name of the band, and then we're going to have a song for each of the band on, so, so Roy can do a Spotify list. But there's a reason that I picked all these bands, and uh, some, many of these bands I've seen in person. And so some of these you're not going to be familiar with, and that's number, especially number 10 on this list. I absolutely love this band. So whenever we did Alpha Dogs, I said I wanted to do something a little more aggressively on the marketing side. So we did a video. We did a promotional video. Matter of fact, it's still pinned on my Twitter account. You can go check it out today because I wanted to promote it. So we took like some images from the book and we did some cool things. And uh, Drew Walker uh, from Mississippi State put the video together for me. Um, And so one of the things that I did is I said, you know, listen, I want to be able to use, you know, real music here. And so there's this band called Nine Lashes. I just kind of stumbled upon the song one day. I went to some royalty-free websites, and I was going through there, and I found the demo version of the song, and I loved it. And I eventually contacted the band, had some interaction with them. They signed off on me using it. And of course, I had to pay, had to pay for licensing, but I was happy to do it. Uh, the song is called "Never Back Down," and the band is called Nine Lashes. And I just kind of felt like that kind of fit the alpha dog story and kind of fit the mississippi state story and so that'll be number 10 on the list nine lashes never back down i absolutely love that track and uh it was really my honor to be able to use the song and you know when the band signed off on it they've actually moved on to a different record label and he goes i remember the singer he messaged me he goes man steve i really hope this works out and it's in the video they loved it and we're happy to be part of the project so cool little aside there so nine lashes never back down number nine I absolutely love these guys. They opened for Shinedown here on a couple tours ago, but it's We as Human. And this is an absolute banger of a song. It's called Strike Back. And uh, a lot of people said, I didn't know they were a Christian band. They are absolutely a Christian band and uh, had a really cool song. There's a follow up to this one called Take the Bullets Away. Uh, just a great singer, great delivery. And that's one of the things, too, we talked about, too, about how Christian rock music had to make a jump. You know, a lot of people used to say, and I lost this point earlier. Well, it sounds too much like the world. Well, then how do you get the world to listen to it? You know what I'm saying? It's like there's so many people out there that, um, you know, it's like it's how you kind of package and deliver things. And so it's like if you've got people out there that you want to get your message to, I mean, if you're only preaching and singing to the choir, well, yeah, you can sing whatever you want. But if you're trying to reach people that have a real need, you've got to reach them where they are. And number eight, a band that I saw in Lafayette, Louisiana, and uh, had a chance to meet them after the show. It's a band called Demon Hunter, and they absolutely crunch and uh, got a huge lead singer, big bald-headed guy. <laughs> but uh, after the show was over, they gave us the guest the uh, the set list. I have it around here somewhere. I need to find it and put it in a frame. But this one is called Last One Alive. Great message behind this one. Uh, you'll you'll check it out, and I think you'll you'll find out pretty soon exactly where those guys stand and uh and these guys are the real deal i absolutely love them number seven and this is a band at times has kind of gotten on my nerves because a lot of their songs kind of sound the same and you can say well steve why are you talking so bad about them well i, mean, I think it sometimes they're overplayed but it's a band called skillet and uh, i went with the song monster they've had a ton of hits they're on octane all the time they're one of those bands that uh some serious xm octane and so they get a lot of commercial airplay and they have, I guess they opened up the uh, the Winterfest thing in Jackson. But Skillet is a is a great rocking band. I think you'll dig them if you hadn't already. Number six, they have changed singers, but I'm going to go back a little bit. 
Uh, it's a band called Flyleaf, and uh, Lacey Sturm was the original singer. They've replaced her because Lacey uh, became a mom, and uh, her and Josh have had some kids, and so she stayed home to to raise babies for a while. She has actually released a solo album here in the last year, and it is phenomenal. So if you're a Flyleaf fan, go check out Lacey Sturm's latest release. But it's uh, all around me. I almost went with uh, So Sick because that video is incredible. But Flyleaf is a great band, and it took me a while to get into them just because I think initially I wasn't exactly sure what I was listening to. But uh, Lacey Sturm, you want to talk about a young lady with a rock voice. She has such incredible range. You know, she can sing so melodically, and she's also a young lady that lived in Mississippi for a while. How about that? Probably didn't know that. Lacey Sturm and Flyleaf. Number five, I love this man. I loved them from the very first time that I heard them. Didn't know their story and didn't know their message. But once I got a chance to listen to them, I was so into them and um, probably have about 20 songs to them on my phone. But it's Thousand Foot Crutch. The first song I ever heard from them was a song called Move. But I didn't go with that one. I almost went with War of Change, which is uh, one of those songs that kind of gets to me. It kind of hits you right in the chest a little bit. But I went with Fly on the Wall because it's a little bit different than a lot of the other stuff. And um, I love the vocal on that, and I love the keys on that. There's like some synth on that one. It's a great track. It's a little different from some of the other stuff they've done. So if you hear that song and then you go try to get deeper in the catalog, you might be a little surprised because that's kind of an outlier. Number four, another band that I've seen live and uh, met them too. Matter of fact, I have uh, one of their songs tattooed uh, kind of in their logo on my right arm. It's a band called Red. Uh, Red is uh, an incredible band, and uh, they've had some tremendous success. I almost went with Feed the Machine, and that's an absolute banger too. But I went with Breathe Into Me. That is a great song. And there's a bunch of great songs in the Red catalog. I I think uh, Until We All Have Faces is probably the best album from Red. If you're unfamiliar with them, you should check them out today. They will absolutely blow your mind. Number three, I would be remiss if I did not include this band. They were my brother's favorite band when he was in high school and uh, in college. My brother played uh, college basketball there at Wesley College in Florence. Went to Christian school there, Congregational Methodist School there. And uh, we grew up going to camp up there. And so we actually had a chance to go see this band in Jackson. And I jumped up on stage. So if you were at the Petra show around 1990 at the the Jackson Coliseum and you saw two guys jump on stage like a bunch of idiots, I was one of those guys. I didn't even know the guy I went with. He was like, hey, let's go get on stage. Let's do it. So right in the middle of Louis Weaver's drum solo – I was running around the stage. They didn't throw me out. They just said, hey, get down. Don't get back up here again. I've been a few other places and jumped up on stage, and I wasn't treated quite as nicely. I guess you would expect that at a Christian rock show. But I went with Petra, uh, This Means War, which is kind of their signature track. There is an interesting story about Petra, too, that I think a lot of people don't know. I think I shared this when we did the Kiss List. Is So Petra originally wrote the song, God Gave Rock and Roll to You. And so... Kiss wanted to use that, and they had a huge hit with their own version of it. But there was kind of a trade. So Heaven's on Fire was a song that Kiss had off the Animalize album. And so they traded some music, I guess you could say. And so Petra had a song called Seen and Not Heard, 
that was to the tune of Heavens on Fire. And so that's kind of the trade there. So if, if you didn't know that story, if you know both bands and you were curious about, well, how did this ever happen? Widness copyright infringement. That's how. Number two on my list, one of my favorite current bands, and it's P.O.D. And P.O.D. is actually biblical. It comes from Payable on Death. And uh, that's not, that's not I mean they're a negative band. They're a huge band. And uh, Sonny founded a group called the Whosoevers. And uh, they go around and they give their testimony. And they talk about going to jail and talk about being drug addicts and all of the negative things they did in life. And they minister to kids. And so I'm a big fan of Sonny's. And you can find him on Twitter. He's very inspirational. After 9-11... And matter of fact, this album that I'm going to talk about was released on 9-11. And the album is called Satellite. And it became an incredible song-laden album that healed a lot of young people. And I could have gone with uh, several songs on that album. There's Youth of the Nation, which uh, was really resonated with young people around our country. And then, you know, we did the... uh, the pregame video to the song boom but i went with the live because I, that's one of those i get chills even saying that because it's a song that's always meant a lot to me uh so pod I, i've loved them from the beginning i have that first album the fundamental elements of Southtown. uh that's when it's got uh, rock the party and Southtown. Southtown, i guess the first song i ever heard from them but uh they are the real deal they get out there and do the real thing and uh spend a lot of their own money spreading their message but if we did, a, we did a Christian rock top 10 list, I don't think there, there is any choice. You have to have Striper number one, don't you? And I used to have that poster on my wall, that uh, Striper Isaiah 53.5 poster. And everybody wore their black and yellow stuff, and it was really kind of ridiculous. But, uh, you know, Striper, people forget this, man. Like, Striper was huge out in West Hollywood. Huge. And they had a lot of bands that opened for them, a lot of bands that uh, went on to sell millions of records. Striper, obviously, uh, the most recognizable of the uh, yeah, of the, the Christian rock bands at the time. And there were so many people that rejected them because they had long hair. There were a lot of people in the religious right that said, you know what, those guys wear makeup and they've got long hair. They look like the guys on MTV. And I think they were really pioneers in many respects because, again, you know, they wanted to get their message out. And so that's how they did it. And they played a ton of tours with bands that uh, were probably a little bit notorious. So I could have gone with a bunch of tracks here. And uh, it's interesting, you know, if I remember, you have, I'm trying to remember from memory here, but I believe the third album was In God We Trust. And that's the one that had Honestly on it. That was kind of a breakthrough for them. But uh, let's go with To Hell With The Devil as our track today. To Hell With The Devil, that's our striper track for today. So there you go. Top 10 Christian rock bands, and uh, I enjoyed putting this list together. I I knew that it wouldn't be difficult because there are so many bands today uh, that are out there touring and doing a great job uh, kind of spreading their message. And so there you go. Thanks so much for the suggestion. And again, Andrew McCall, we're all thinking and praying praying for you. And um, this list was for you. So there you go. All right, let's talk a little basketball. This segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. Long-time sponsors of the show, man. Stan and Man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. If you're not following them on social media, you're missing out a little bit. 
because there's always going to be things that are all kind of impulse buys. I mean, many of you guys go get on Amazon or whatever. You like search Mississippi State stuff. Let me save you some time and trouble. Follow Campus Bookmart on Twitter and Instagram. Like them on Facebook. And then when they get new arrivals, it'll pop up. And so all of a sudden, you're like, hey, I need to get that. And listen, if they don't have it, they can get it for you. Visit them on the World Wide Web but campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Barnyard listener, we'll save you a little money. BSR is your promo code. stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Very easy to remember, BSR. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's BSR at campusbookmart.net. When you go in, be sure and tell them what I sent you. All right, let's talk a little basketball. Big busy day Thursday on the basketball side of things. Coach Ben Howland and his staff pick up a commitment from top 150 prospect Cameron Carter. Matter of fact, ranked the number 127th prospect in the uh, 2021-247 composite rankings for basketball. Six foot three, 180 pound guard out of Oak Hill Academy. Finalists uh, were Mississippi State and Virginia Tech. Ole Miss also in the mix a little bit. Uh, so we pick up another guard there. And uh, here's some quotes from him. I think it's really cool. It's always been my dream to play in the SEC. I love the way they move up and down the court in Mississippi State. I've always been a big fan of the school, especially after Lamar Peters. He's in Louisiana. He played in the G League. We come from the same AAU team, and I saw what he did and the work he put in there, and I feel like I can go in there and do the same thing and put on for Louisiana again. So Lamar Peters kind of reaping some benefits there for Mississippi State. Yeah, Lamar, I think, had a pretty good experience here. I know that he was ready to go when he left, but uh, – you know, Lamar was a, was a star in this league for a while. And so, final, final quote in this article, he says, I'm going to bring everything that I have. I feel that I can change a team around in so many ways. I can be I – can, I can make people better. Somebody missed a word there. I can make people better in so many ways. I don't even need to be on the court, just practice like trash talk in a garden. He's Lamar Peters for sure. I feel my defense stands out a lot. I take pride in playing defense. A lot of people don't nowadays. I love playing the pick and roll. I get the big men involved, shooters, everybody. I always do my best to get my teammates involved. So you've got three now commitments for the class, Keyshawn Murphy, Alvin Applewhite, and now uh, Cameron. And so big get there. And so now you're working in the transfer portal. Mississippi State obviously still has some spots to fill. Still hearing some big things about D.J. Jeffries. Still hearing some positive things about Garrison Brooks. And so you begin to think about, you know, this roster. If you begin to get everybody back, you add this recruiting class in, this very guard heavy, and you go out and you get some beef, you get a three in DJ Jeffries, and then you go out and get, uh, you know, Garrison Brooks. Now all of a sudden you start thinking, you know what, this looks like a tournament team. Now, are we going to contend for the SEC next year? No, we're not. I think the league is actually going to be better next year. But I think when you begin to look at this and you begin to think, okay, DJ and Iverson come back, and then all of a sudden when you've got – if you add DJ Jeffries and you get another scoring option out there on the perimeter, then all of a sudden they can't double DJ Stewart. And so all of a sudden you're isolating him some, getting some, uh, you know, one-on-one. He's going to win a lot of that. You know what you got in Tolu Smith. And so – I think this recruiting class can be the one that would really kind of change things for, in many respects for Mississippi State. The main thing we got to do is get off this transfer portal hamster wheel. We got to get off the roller coaster. We can't we can't fill an empty portal every year. At some point, we got to have some continuity. And listen, I know I know what's going on in college basketball today. 
I know a lot of people think a transfer portal is the answer to all their problems, and that's coaches and players included. There are a lot of players out there that's like, oh, listen, I'm going to be a one and done, and then they, they find out that they're a none. You know, they get, on the, they get on a team and all of a sudden they realize that they're not the best guy on the team and they're riding the bench. Well, I'm going to get out of here because these coaches hate me. And they go somewhere else and the same thing happens. Again, this is the Southeastern Conference. It's not made for everybody. And that's not to say that we hadn't had some recruiting misses under Ben Howe, and we absolutely have. But I think when you begin to look at this class and the potential, if you get a couple more guys out of the portal, the guys that you know, and you add them with what we have coming back, and you bring in a couple of these guards that might be able to get some minutes for you next year, I think there's some room for optimism for next year. You know, we kind of knew going into this year it was going to be a rebuilding year. We knew this. And now all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, well, listen, we get our guys back, you know, and who knows what Abdul Adu is going to do. You know, the one time it was just like he's definitely not coming back, and he's like, well, he's still thinking about it. So I don't know what he's going to do, but you you get him back, and even if he's a defensive stopper or whatever, even if you change some things offensively, because he is a liability on offense. We all see this. We're not. It's not you know saying anything. It's untrue. He's a guy that you you just can't lob that entry level pass in there to him. If you bounce it to him, he's going to bounce it out of bounds. But he is a force on a defensive end, and he is a good putback guy. And so you begin to get the roster back. And then you add some pieces to it. All of a sudden, you start thinking, you know what? Okay, next year could be a step in the right direction. And so this year, again, we we had you know really no expectations, and we end up having a winning year, and played for an NIT championship, which was probably a best case scenario considering what we had coming back. And then you begin to think about what we've got coming in. All of a sudden, you start thinking, you know what? This might be okay. That's kind of how I feel today. I'm a lot more optimistic about things heading into 2022 than I was 2021, and rightfully so, I think. I think there's a lot more room for optimism, and I think everybody understands it's a big year for Ben Howland next year. But I like what we're doing so far. I like the fact that we're out here still beating the bushes and we're adding players, and we're working hard in transfer portal. And if we get the guys we expect to get, you know, could be a really good year next year. On the women's side of things, we talk about getting healthy. You know, it's like we, we, had, we had some malcontents in the locker room, and like some of you act like that is not a thing. Like people say, oh, that's just an excuse. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. And so we've had some people move on, not all of them. You know, and I'm not going to sit here. I, I, one of the things that drives me crazy, and I guess it shouldn't bother me, it's like we have some folks within the fan base that are so invested in being miserable it's like, well, let's go share out here where this transfer went to, and you know, this one went here, and this one went there. And it's, you know, it's over. It's over. Go put on some boys to men, ride around until you figure it out. It's over. Go listen to the end of the road, whatever you need to do. It's so hard to say goodbye, whatever. It's over. There's no need to prolong the misery and say, oh, well, this, you know, Aliyah Mathari went to Texas. Okay, listen, good. Good for her. Madison Hayes went to NC State. Well, you, you talk about a lateral move, maybe even a step back. And so, again, I wish those ladies well. I do. I, have, I harbor no ill will against them. I don't see the need in me going out there and furthering, uh, you know, the misery and the whole thing. And, well, let's all go retweet this and share this. No. I'm committed to Mississippi State. That's where my interest lies. What is Mississippi State doing? What's happening at Mississippi State? Who are we bringing in? Because once they've left us, they're no longer on my radar. 
Maybe on yours, but not on mine. Because, again, I'm a Mississippi State guy. That's what I care about. My, my loyalty is not to a single player or coach. It's to Mississippi State. And so Mississippi State, you guys are you know aware. We pick up uh, you know transfer from Tulane last week. We get three. Three on Thursday. And it turns out they're all related. And they have a younger sister that we're also recruiting. How about that? So let's run this down here pretty quick for you guys. So let me see if we can make sense of this. So Anastasia Hayes from Middle Tennessee and her sister, Aislinn, will be here next year. Both of them big-time guards. And then they get the youngest one, Alasia Hayes, from Notre Dame. So all three sisters were in the portal, and all three of them are here. They all had interests from Kentucky, Baylor, Georgia, Marquette, and many, many others. And they eventually wanted to play together. That was their plan to stay together. And now they're back together. And that's a really cool thing. Robbie Falk, our women's basketball expert over at jeanspage.com, caught up with the mom, Sherry. And she says, I think the girls just went to the portal thinking it gives them an opportunity to talk to coaches. Anastasia was debating whether or not she was going to transfer or maybe even go pro, but decided she wanted to get her degree in transfer where she could be coached under a different coach that can prepare her for the league and then go win. I think all the girls' mentality is that they're winners. And everywhere they have gone, they've been winners and wanted to play for Coach McCray because she's a winner. Mississippi State is a great school. It's a great opportunity for all of them. They get a chance to play together and win. It will be special for them. And I think when the opportunity presented itself for them to all go somewhere and play together, it was simply too good to pass up. You with me? It's like, and we said, well, you know, Steve, I just don't know. Well, here's some accolades that Robbie dug up here. And they weren't hard to find because they're everywhere. So Anastasia had offers from everybody, absolutely everybody, and um, went to Tennessee, was the sixth woman of the year in the SEC as a freshman, and then transferred to Middle Tennessee, and then she was the Conference USA Newcomer of the Year. 18.7 points per game, six rebounds, and uh, four and a half assists. As a junior, listen to this now, averaged 26 and a half points a game and over five rebounds and five assists a game. You know, it's like I begin to look at this stuff and I begin to ask myself, you know, I don't know what we expected to get out of the portal, but if we can go out there and add a handful of double-digit scorers, I'm all about that. So Aislinn who's a little younger, she was the freshman of the year in Conference USA. Also made second team all Coosa team. 14.1 points a game and had over four rebounds and three assists. It's incredible to think about this. Now, of the three sisters, Alasia, the one that went to Notre Dame, her mom says is the best shooter. And so when you begin to kind of look at this here, you know, and she did opt out at Notre Dame, uh, because she had some asthma issues. It was COVID-related. She elected not to put herself at risk. But she's out there playing as a freshman. And so now all of a sudden you get these these ladies to come in here. And it, it's incredible to me, too. It's like there's so many people out there that have convinced themselves that nobody would want to come play here. Nobody would want to come play here. The whole thing's falling apart. 
Nikki's not any good. And that's just not true. Now, I'm not going to sit here and defend the season. I'm not going to do that. But Nikki McCray-Pinson is known to be a relentless recruiter. And she's gone out and she's added some offensive pieces. And let's be honest, we were not good offensively this year. We weren't. The effort wasn't there. Now, all of a sudden, you start adding these uh, double-digit scores to your roster. And you're adding some competition there. Now, all of a sudden, you start thinking, oh, okay, maybe I can be a little cautiously optimistic. Maybe, maybe the sky isn't falling. And so what I just ask you to do is let's just take a deep breath here. Let's take a deep breath. Because she's going out there and she's recruiting players that can provide some immediate help for us. So it's, it's not a situation where, oh, we're, we're going to go hit the high school ranks and we've got to develop all these players. You're bringing in ladies that have a lot of Division I experience. you got one of the top scorers in, in the AAC coming in from Tulane in Jordan. Then all of a sudden you go add some, you know, all CUSA players that scored big points. I mean, 26 and a half points a game in any league is ridiculous for women's basketball. It's ridiculous. And so the season didn't go well. But the offseason appears to be maybe trending in a little more positive direction. So I think there is a little room for optimism. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not as optimistic about the women as I am the men right now. Because we had that elongated season with the men, and all of a sudden you kind of began to see that team come together. And so you, now you're thinking, okay, well, listen, we just got a few, you know, a few gaps to fill. And on the women's side, it's, it's much different. You know, you've got more spots to fill, and you had more problems with this team. And there are some people out there that, you know, that are, their minds are made up. And you know what? Okay. But when the team starts to win again, we will happily welcome you back on the bandwagon. And, again, I'm not happy women's basketball either. But I am happy to see that this is being addressed. I'm happy to see that we're out there targeting players and we're not just getting people off the scrap heap of college basketball. You know, we're getting people that have an accomplished resume. Those things are exciting to me. All right, let's talk a little recruiting, football recruiting-wise, brought to you by the fine folks at Portico. You guys have heard me talk about this before. And what's interesting, too, is I had somebody that stopped me at the gas station and said, hey, Steve, we went by there and checked out the Portico thing. We did, and uh, it's a really cool place. If you want to go check it out, and you should, you know, maybe you're not ready to hire a real estate agent, but you just kind of go look around yourself. When you come into town on 82, you take that turn on 12, like going to campus, the very first right, you take it. It's Pat Station Road. You cross over Old West Point Road, which is right there. You're on Garrett Road then. And then next thing you know, there's Portico. So go check it out today. You're going to be glad you did. Houses to serve just about any need you have. You got room for a growing family. If you want it to be an investment property or maybe just your weekend getaway. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, Steve, we're tired of getting hotels. We'd like to have a place up here. And if you can afford to do that, that's what you should do. Brooks Bryan is our friend. He's been my long-term friend, and he'll be your friend too. He has all the information that you need. Brooks will also talk to you a little bit about baseball. You may remember him. He helped us get to Omaha a couple times. He may even tell you some cool stories about that. So here's the deal. Brooks is one of those guys that uh, he is invested in Starkville because Starkville is a special place to him. So he is not going to bring something to Starkville that is not of quality. 
So when you're looking to move to town, you want to have the newest construction. You want to have all the cool things, all the, the fresh amenities. You, listen, how many times do you want to move, right? Make this your last move. Move to Stark. We'll be a part of our, our thriving community here. And Brooks can take care of you with that. Phone number 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. All right, so let's talk a little football recruiting. Could be a busy day for Mississippi State on Friday. There is some uh, discussion about uh, some recruiting stuff in the wind. You guys saw that Dave Emmerich said yesterday on Twitter that uh, felt like some good news was coming. I tweeted out the, you know, the eyeballs and everybody wants to know what's going on. I tweeted out the pirate flag. So I was told earlier in the day that Jordan Thomas, a safety out of Montgomery, Alabama, same high school as our most recent commitment, um, is looking like, hey, I want to be a Bulldog. His buddy Colin Griffin made that call last week, and now it appears that Jordan is trending maroon. A lot of optimism there, and you know he's a guy too that's got some options. And it's like you look at this stuff sometimes too, and like sometimes I think we're all looking at different stuff. And I've had some people say, "Well, you know, Steve, I don't, I don't know, I don't know." You know, l- listen, if you go watch a kid's film, you're going to be fired up, and you should be. But uh, this Montgomery Catholic prep guy. Jordan Thomas, let me run down these offers for you. He's, uh, I believe he's right at 20 now, but I'm going to run some of these down because a lot of people just see that, that alphabetic order and they think, oh, well, he doesn't have many offers. Well, let me run this down for you. So I'm going to run down the whole offer sheet, and you're going to hear some alphabetical offers in this one. You're going to think, oh, well, he didn't have much, but he does. So he's got Charlotte. He's got Coastal Carolina. East Carolina, Georgia State, and then some people kind of stop there and say, oh, what's that's no big deal. Well, then he's got Indiana and Marshall and Memphis and South Carolina and Tennessee and Toledo and Troy and Tulane and Utah State and Western Kentucky and some others. Those are the things you look at, and you can get excited about that. This is a guy that has options. This is a guy that has film. He's, uh, I think, rated an 86, maybe. So, you know, mid-level three-star guy. Maybe above mid-level. But, uh, you know, listen, a good, yeah, 86.27. So, 6-2-190, good chance that he's a Bulldog sooner rather than later. Now, last week, the discussion was Tyler Woodard was really close to committing. I'm told that's still on. So, we'll see how that progresses, too. Tyler Woodard's a guy that uh, wants to kind of make a splash with its announcement. And listen, you only get it once or twice to do this kind of stuff. Trying to get a video together. You know, a lot of these guys want to make – they want you guys to know that they're legit, that sort of stuff. A lot of guys tweet out a note. Some guys don't even do interviews. He wants to do a little something. They're working on putting that together. Maybe all that comes together this week. Maybe it all happens tomorrow. We'll see. Maybe it happens next week. But those are a couple guys that could be in the boat sooner rather than later. And you begin to think about this thing. Okay, you got Jeterius Elam, a corner committed. You feel really good about Trent Singleton. You feel pretty good about Wesley Miller at Heritage. And all of a sudden, you add Colin, you add Jordan, now you add Tyler. All of a sudden, secondary is kind of wrapped up before we even get to Super Bulldog weekend. You know, last in last recruiting cycle, we really struggled with defensive back recruiting. We took some guys early, had to drop them. These guys are better. And so you begin to kind of work through this thing and say, okay, listen, maybe we learned our lesson last year about defensive back recruiting. Carter Edwards is an offensive line prospect, expected to be here next weekend for Super Bulldog weekend. We've talked about him at length. State's been a leader for a while. A lot of people thought he'd be committed by now. I was one of them. 
a little bit of a delay now, but he's going to be back for the third time in, I think, about six weeks. So that's a good sign there. We'll see how things progress there. Xavier Harris, defensive lineman out of Germantown. I'm told, you know, fans should kind of gear up for the long haul with him. He's not planning to make an early decision. Mississippi State remains in a good spot with him. So we'll kind of see how things progress. And I think, listen, outside of, you know, a handful of guys, you're not going to have to go out of state for many of those guys on the defensive side of the football. We've talked about that before. I'm excited about the class, currently ranked 22nd in the country. I think we've got a really good chance to be a top 20 class this year. We had not had many of those in the last decade, probably even all the way back to maybe uh, the late Cheryl years. I mean, we haven't had a lot of top 20 classes in Mississippi State history. And so with the strength of an, a strong in-state crop this year, I think we have a chance to do something we don't ordinarily do. So kind of keep an eye on Gene's page today. Uh, I will be on the road to Auburn. So I won't be breaking any news on uh, on Friday. So Paul Jones will be all over that. And so be checking the message boards, be checking the Twitter feeds. Uh, could be a commitment or two on Friday. So just be mindful of that. If it doesn't happen, don't sue me, okay? We just give it a couple days. But we're doing a good job as a staff right now, and I think that uh, a lot of people are excited about the direction of Mississippi State football. So a lot of good news to share today, and hopefully we get back together on Monday. We'll be able to talk about some more good baseball news. If you haven't done so, please go to alphadogsthebook.com today and order personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and there's been a big rush of that lately, thank you very much, uh, you can go to starkvillains.com and you can get your Stark Villain shirts. A lot of people are wearing them on Sunday, the black Stark Villain shirt on Sunday. You can get a maroon one too, okay? Uh, so you can check them out. I'm, I'm really, really happy with how things are going with that. So again, at starkvillains.com. That's going to do it for today. I look forward to being back with you guys on Monday. And for those of you traveling to Auburn, be careful and be dry. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.